in such a long time. Lead me to the cross. There's a song that says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Not the rock of Gibraltar, but the Lord Jesus Christ. I thought while they were singing when I would open in prayer and invite the Holy Spirit, but he spoke to my heart and said, I'm already here. Don't you feel his presence? We're going to be quiet this morning. You feel his presence, amen? I'm honored today to be able to speak to you. I love my pastor so much, Pastor Tom, and his ministry is so different than mine. I told my wife I kind of envy his preaching and his delivery. And I had lunch with him the other day, and he said, I wish I could preach like you do. I guess we're never satisfied, are we? We just, but I love my pastor. When he's not here, there's something missing. And I can never replace him. Father, I thank you for these precious saints. For these precious people that are your children. I thank you for them, for every one of them. And Lord, you've already spoken to my heart through the week that you wanted to touch some hearts. And I ask, Lord God, that you just do that today. In Jesus' name. I want to talk to you about a river this morning. Uh, I asked Corman if she knew the song, There's a River. Um, she said she didn't, but there is a song that's meant so much to me for so many years. Um, I think Jimmy Swaggart may have originally recorded it. I'm not sure. But he sings it, and uh, I don't know all the words, and I'm not a singer. But I know about the river. And the song just starts out saying, There is a river that flows from God above. There is a fountain that frees my soul from sin. Come to these waters. There is a vast supply. Come to these waters that never will run dry. In the Bible, in the book of Acts, um, oh, <laughs> uh, I lost my voice. I used to sing 20 years ago, 25 years ago. We had a band and we traveled, but uh, I lost my voice for, through some things. But uh, the Lord's been dealing with me about my inheritance. I have a godly inheritance, and I, I really didn't know about for years. But I know where it started. It started in the book of Acts in the second chapter when the Holy Spirit descended. It said on the, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, 
They were all in one place in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And the people that heard that, they said, these people are drunk. And Peter didn't deny that, because we can become drunk on the Spirit. I prayed for people, and they become so touched of, of the Lord that you had to take them to the car and put them in the car. <laughs> they were just drunk on the Spirit, just, you know, just them and Jesus somewhere, I don't know. And I don't understand it all, and I... Oh. But I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in one God, eternal, existing, and three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I was raised, as many of you were probably, that the third person, God the Holy Ghost, we didn't hear a lot about. We heard a lot about the Father, and we heard a lot about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit wasn't preached. I was raised in a Pentecostal church, seemingly God. Uh, well, actually, I was raised in a Baptist church. My mom was Baptist, and my dad was assembly. I think I've told this before. So I was taken between a Baptist and a Pentecostal, and I grew up being, I guess, a Baptocostal. I'm not sure. But I believe in the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, these are not drunk as you suppose. But this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days God said, I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Thank God for that. I don't know about you, I couldn't even get up here and talk without the Holy Spirit. In school growing up, of course, I had dyslexia and I didn't do good in school anyway, but even the subject that I knew could do well because I was smart and I had a good memory, I just couldn't read or write or spell. But even the subjects I could do good on, I wouldn't get up in front of a class. And when I came from home from Vietnam and God had called me to preach, I wouldn't get up in front of our church and even testify. But since God filled me with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, I'm not shut up. Because there is power. Jesus said you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon you. And he said, these are not drunk as you suppose. Well, stay with me. I, I'm going somewhere. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And after he finishes all that, he tells them that this is for you. He tells the people there, this is for you and for your children. And this is where my godly inheritance comes. And for as many as is far off, and as many as our Lord God shall call, this power is there waiting for us. It's like a river, and that's why I'm saying that little song. There's a river flowing. I didn't know till I had gotten into ministry and began to talk to family members and the Lord began to show me things. But uh, my family was, uh, my mom's mom was a Baptist. And I love the Baptist church. My uh, daughter and two of her children attend the big Baptist church over here. But I think there's more. And I began to search out my family history just a little bit. And I began to meeting people and went to Oklahoma where I'm from. You'd never know that the way I talk, huh? My dad said, you've been to school, been to college, and you still talk like an okie. <laughs> but that's okay. I went to Oklahoma, and I met one of my mother's sisters, my aunt. And uh, 
I walked into the house or got out of the car, and she ran out saying, oh, you're, they called my mom Tootsie. Her name was Charlene, but they said, you're one of Tootsie's boys. And I said, yes, I am. And uh, she hugged me and my wife and the children, and she said, Wayne, what Baptist church are you with? I understand you're a preacher. I said, well, I'm not with the Baptist church. I'm with the church of God. And she turned around and walked into the house and never spoke a word to me all the time I was there. And that was just because she was unlearned. She'd never experienced anything. What The only experience she had with the Lord or with the Holy Spirit, my mother's mom was a Baptist. Bulldog Roberts came to their town. And he set up his little tent, you know, it wasn't very big, and then he set up his little tent, and he began to preach. And my grandma went down there. She was told, don't you go down and get the Holy Ghost. If you do, they'll cut your credit off. <laughs> they used to do that. You know, in those little towns, you know, they're all Baptist people, and if you, you couldn't buy gas or groceries if you get the Holy Spirit. You just might as well move. So she went down there. And the Lord filled her with the Holy Ghost under Brother Robert's ministry. Two months later, she died of pneumonia. And my aunt said the Holy Spirit killed her. She went down to that tent, got something, and killed her. Even if I hadn't known about the Holy Spirit, I couldn't believe that except that the Jesus I know, even when you make all the mistakes that I've made, maybe you, you ever made a mistake? You ever done something you shouldn't do? You know, you just kind of let God down? What does he do? What did God do when Adam and Eve fell? He went looking for them. Brother, aren't you glad that he does? Aren't you glad that when you fall, when I fell and let God down, fell from full-time ministry to the, really you might say the gutters, he never gave up on me. Do you know who Sister Vestal Goodman is, any of you? The Goodman family. Anybody know she has a song. It says, God walks the dark hills. I'm so glad he does, honey. I'm so glad he walks those dark hills. And that's where he found me when I'd fallen. But then another little story about, uh, I went to going to General Assembly with the church and uh, I went through Oklahoma and I went to another man's house another time and uh, Pulled up, and my uncle was on the front porch and whittling overhauls, you know, the whole, whole Oklahoma picture. And uh, I greeted him, and he greeted, and he didn't, men back there, my family didn't say much, but I said, where's my aunt? And he said, well, she's in the bed. She's really sick. She's been in the bed. Doctors been out. The doctors used to make house calls. So the doctors been out, and they don't know what's wrong with her. She's really sick. And I said, okay, we'll go, we will go in. So my wife and I, we go in there, and she's in the bed, and she's really sick, and she's sweating, and she's just really bad. And I tell her who I am, reach down and hug her, and ask her what's wrong. She says, I don't know. The doctor doesn't know. I'm just really sick. And uh, She says, I understand you're a pastor. And I said, yes, I am. She said, you believe in healing? I said, oh, yeah, I do. So would you pray for me? I said, yes, I will. So we found some oil, and we anointed her and prayed for her in the name of Jesus Christ. And while we were praying, she jumped straight up in the bed and began to dance and speak in other tongues. And she got up and fixed a big meal like they did back there in Oklahoma. They cooked enough for four, 40 people if they was 10. 
And she told me a story while we were eating. She said, I forget how many years ago, she said, I was going to the Baptist church. My husband and I, we loved Jesus. We worked in the church. We'd done things for God. We gave our tithes. We, just, we really loved the Lord. But she said, I'd read about the Holy Spirit, and, it would, and I knew there was something missing in my life. And so Oral Roberts came to town. Oral Roberts again. Came to town, set up a little tent. And I wanted to go, but my husband said, you can't go. Same thing. Don't you go down there to that Pentecostal meeting. They'll cut our credit off. She said, Wayne, I was so hungry for more of God. Have you ever been so hungry for God? That song they just sang, Touch My Heart, so beautiful. When you seek him, you'll find him. The Bible said that when you seek for him with your whole heart, then you will find him. I think it's, we've come today, it's kind of sad that we don't seek the Lord like we used to because we have so many conveniences. I remember growing up and... Uh, Doctors uh, couldn't have, my mom and father was very poor. I had worked on a dairy and sheer cropped. And I remember people in the town that uh, doctors, wouldn't, they wouldn't even have a doctor there and they had to send for a doctor. I was born out in a, <laughs> I was born in a house and uh, wasn't in a hospital. And I'm going to tell you what my worth is. After the, I was delivered, the doctor uh, came to my dad and my dad said, well, what do I owe you? He said, well, I don't know how much you have. And my dad said, I don't have any money. He said, I got a half sack of potatoes over there you can have. doctor said, that'll do it. <laughs> so I'm still worth a half a sack of potatoes, Bob. I'm worth, I'm worth something. But no, I won't. my name, I, I, so I don't know if my mom, my dad, or the doctor couldn't even spell my name. My name was supposed to be A-R-B-Y-R-B after my uncle. And when I was drafted and I was 24 years old, I went by Arby all my life. And when I got my birth certificate back, the military said, we don't know if we want you or not. You don't even know your name. And they had spelled it O-R-B-I-E, Orby. And I don't know if that was somebody just didn't know how to spell or someone wanted to change my name, didn't like my name. But my aunt said she went down to the old Roberts meeting and she said she went forward when they gave the invitation People came forward with salvation and any given invitation if you want more of God. And you'd like the experience that the people had in the book of Acts and Acts 2. She said, I went forward. And said, he began to pray for people and people began to speak in other tongues all around me. But I, I couldn't. said something I just couldn't. And I, I said, I cried. I said, God, I want the Holy Spirit. I said, nothing happened. She came home. Her husband was already in bed. She didn't wake him. She got in bed. She was afraid to wake him, telling her where she'd been. She said about 12, 1230, I woke up, stood straight up in the bed, started speaking in other tongues. Said, I don't know how long I did that. And then I laid down, went back to sleep. And the next morning, he arose before I did, and he came in there and said, well, you did it, didn't you? You went down there and got that Holy Spirit. She said, yes, I did. He said, thank God. He said, I've been a Christian all my life. I've never felt God in my life. It's always been by faith. But when you were talking in that language or whatever it was, she said, he said, I felt God in our bedroom. You see, God, the Holy Spirit, is just as real as Jesus, just as real as the Father. 
we get to the time, we get to places sometime in our life, and if you saw it on Facebook uh, when I preached a couple weeks ago over in Oldale, you'll hear a little bit of the same sermon. We get to the place, I look back at those experiences, and I think, knowing all that when I came to Jesus and he baptized me in the Holy Spirit, how could I have ever fallen? You ever thought about that? When you've sinned or you've let God down, you've hurt God in some way, you can quench the Holy Spirit. You can hurt the Father and Son. The Bible said we crucify him a second time when we do things we shouldn't do. We know we don't do that physically or literally, but we do that. We hurt his heart. Another experience I had with the Holy Spirit God had filled me, and I've shared how the Lord filled me with the Holy Spirit, and I talked in tongues for days. Every time someone talked to me, I'd just start talking in the Spirit. And, uh, but God was getting me ready to preach and launch me out into a ministry. If I could tell of all the things God done and all the miracles God had done, the churches God used us to build, you would understand why I needed it. Because I, I, I really didn't have what it takes If you remember, I told, the Lord, told you one time, I said, uh, after I came back to the Lord, the Lord said, Wayne, I don't want you to preach from your heart from now. Preach from your heart. Don't preach from your head. There's not a whole lot there. And God speaks to me that way. He didn't mean I was dumb or stupid. He just meant he wanted me to minister from my heart. I took a church, my first church, had about 20 people. In fact, it was out in Lamont, California. And I don't know if any of them were Pentecostal, really, but it was a Pentecostal church. And I took this church, and uh, I began to fast and pray and ask God for people to come and be saved. And people were being saved and coming. But when I talk on the Holy Spirit, it was just, there was something there, a wall. People were falling in love with Jesus, but they didn't want to hear about the tongues and the, the, the power there was one brother there that he, I don't remember what denomination he was from, but he's, I think he was in his 70s. That's a good age. I just turned 73. 70's a good age. And his name was Brother Kirkendall. He's gone to be with the Lord now. And the denomination that he was, there was none in that area. And he didn't have a car. So he walked to our church every Sunday morning, Sunday night. And he would sing and clap, and he really enjoyed the service. But when I'd start to preach, he had one of these hearing aids in his ear and had a little box, and he'd take it out. And when he'd get my attention, he'd turn it off. And I talked to him about it all the time, and he said, well, I don't want to hear about that Holy Spirit. You preach on that, all, you preach on that lot. I don't want to hear about that. My wife and I have been praying and fasting and asking God, what can we do? We want to see these people healed, and we want to see that it hurts healed. And we want to see the power of the Holy Spirit do the things that the gifts work. And one Sunday morning, had three children, and the youngest one was four years old, a little girl. And we were very strict with our children in church. We didn't allow them to run around uh, in the service. We didn't allow them to get up, move around, or anything. We were very but this Sunday morning, we just finished worshiping the Lord, and my four-year-old daughter got out of the pew and walked out into the aisle. And normally, my wife would have got her by the hand and said, Honey, you come sit down. But she said, I just didn't feel I should do that. And my little 
you can accept this or not accept it. Joshua said, for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to believe everything God has. Some people don't believe all the Bible. I believe it from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21. I believe in miracles. We've seen miracles. We've seen healing. I believe Brother Claiborne was touched just a week or two ago. We believe in miracles. We believe in signs and wonders. One of the last sermons I preached before I fell, I prayed for a girl that was deaf. When I turned around to go back to the pulpit, she shouted and jumped to her feet because I had said something. She said, I heard that. I believe in Gen- from Genesis to Revelation. And I want to thank Bob and Evelyn and Don and his wife, Diane. I'm here today because of them and their prayers and their counseling. I've been restored. But I believe in everything. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe that he lives today, that he rose from the dead the third day, that he ascended to heaven, and then he sent the Holy Spirit back. He said, I'll not leave you comfortless, but I'll send one to you. That's why I sought the Holy Spirit so hard. I, I knew I was called to preach, and I, but I wasn't comfortable in it. I still couldn't get up in front of people. Like I said, once you fill me with the Holy Spirit, I haven't shut up. But my little four-year-old daughter came out. They were sitting about halfway back, and before she got to the front, I was watching her. I didn't know why she was doing that, why my wife didn't stop her. Four years old, her hands went up, and she began, I hope that didn't offend anybody. I don't want to hurt no one. But my little daughter, four years old, that burger, Brother Kirkendall, he heard it because we just finished singing. He got up and came up front crying and said, there's nothing you can give her to make her do that. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Will God fill me? God filled, I think, almost everyone in that church that day with the evidence of speaking in another tongue. God hadn't changed. You wonder why I'm preaching this. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Go back to Acts 1. Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses. That word witness there, it really means martyrs. And you may think I'm out in left field again. I think there's a storm coming. Does anybody believe that? There's a storm coming to our nation, partly because of what the Supreme Courts have done but mostly because we become laxed. I know Christians haven't been sure. I talked to Christians, talked to a little girl the other day. We've witnessed to her so many times, and I said, where are you going to church? And I said, I don't go to church. I said, well, how are you and Jesus? Oh, we're fine. There's reasons I know. I have family members don't go to church because they have too much to do. We've come to a day when we really need the Lord. We need to be close to God. We, talk, we, we heard on the news not long ago how all the, how many was it, 20 people that were beheaded for, did you know they were Christians? And the scriptures in the Bible said in the last days, people will be beheaded for the witness, for the gospel. You know that? So what I'm doing, what God's put in my heart Jesus said, or the Bible said, when you seek for me with your whole heart, you'll find me. And I want God more than I've ever known him. 
And I've seen miracles. And we took a church running one lady. Two years later, run, a year later, running 200. We took a church with no people and bought, ended up buying three and a half acres and building a church to see 300. And I've seen all, but I'm hungry. That's nothing to what I want. God. I want God. I want God. How many want closer? You, anybody want to be closer to God than what you are? He wants to be closer to you. He wants to be a, so close that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's how close he wants to be. I lost my brother to pancreatic cancer, I think it was a few years ago, he, quite a few years ago now. He was only under 60 when he died. And we had gotten so close. We were never close growing up. I took so many whippings for him because <laughs> he had polio, so when he'd do something wrong, they wouldn't whip him, they'd whip me. And I'd say, why am I getting, well, you should have watched him. And we weren't close. He played in the bars, played with, I won't drop names, but he played with some of the big country western singers. He ended up playing in Trouts. I, I think I've told the story here, and I went down and talked to him about coming to church. And he said, well, no, and kind of made a little fun of it. And said, well, you shouldn't even be here anyway. You're a pastor, you know, and just, but the next morning he was in church. Three weeks later, he took gave his heart to Jesus and started playing drums in our church. And we became so close that I wouldn't even, I didn't even go to his funeral. I said, wow, how close is that? I didn't want to see him there. When he died, I knew where he went. If you could convince me that we planted him under the ground, we didn't, he was with the Lord. I said, how do you know that? Because the Bible says to live is Christ. It's wonderful to live for Christ. But to die is gain. It reminds me of a story. People, I mean, I don't want to die and go to heaven right now. I have, the Lord has things for us to do. God really loves you. This young lady right here in the middle. I just see the love of God there. God really loves you. Praise the Lord. He loves everybody, but for some reason the Lord wanted me to tell you that. And as close as I was to my brother, Jesus sticks closer than that. When I fell and I came back, the first time I preached, I was scared to death. I'd been invited to preach in the Assembly of God. I'd known the pastor. Don't you love people that for, love forget people that believe in forgiveness? Don't you love them? You know, everybody that believes the Lord doesn't believe in forgiveness. I was ordained with a, a denomination, and they said, we're not gonna, you fail, we're not going to take your license, but you can't preach no more. I thought, well, what do I need a license for? So this friend of mine who was passing a statement of God went out to visit his church, and he asked me to preach, and I said, I can't preach for you. I've fallen. He said, are you restored? And I said, yes, but I can't preach. And he said, you don't know what I've done. And we left one home. I wrote a letter and took it back the following Sunday morning. And I said, I want you to read this. And I told him everything, kind of like I did Bob and Evelyn, scared this couple to death. <laughs> they say when a preacher falls, he falls all the way. I'm not proud of my falling. But I'm proud that Jesus took me back. He read the letter that told everything I had done for the last year, year and a half. 
fold it up, put it back in the envelope, and said, well, I have one question for you. I thought he was going to say, why did you do that? Why did you fall? You had a good church. God was using you. You were so anointed. God was just really blessing you. Why did you fall? I thought that would be his question. He said, I have one question. When are you going to preach for me? He said, if God's forgiven you, who am I? Who am I to stand in your way? I preached the following Sunday night and had this lovely couple and Don and well, had a quite a few people from New Life Center came out and uh, that scared me even more. But I told that whole story to say Jesus spoke to me the Sunday morning I was going to preach on the way home to church. I was crying. I told him, I don't know how to preach. I can't get up there and talk about Jesus. I failed him so hard. And the Lord spoke to me in that car and said, Wayne, if I was with you in darkness, don't you know I'll be with you in the light? First John said, if we walk in the light, I don't know where the clock's at. Praise the Lord. Been a long time. I don't want to be like the preacher that every time he preached, he get a cert and put it in his mouth and when it would dissolve, he quit preaching. Figured it about 15 minutes. So it was one day, he kept preaching 15 minutes by, and he was looking at the clock, and you know, there wasn't no clock, and he was just looking around. He couldn't find the clock, and he just, it was still there, so he just kept preaching. He kept preaching. Finally, someone said, it kind of shut him down. And he reached him down, took it out, and there's a button. <laughs> I thank God for forgiveness, don't you? I'm not going to ask, but how many here was ever an alcoholic or drank too much? I asked that one time at a a camp meeting, and about 5,000 people there, and I think almost every hand went up. At one time, they were that way. How many of you have ever been on? Maybe some of you still drank too much. God still loves you. Maybe some of you have been on drugs. Aren't you glad that the blood of Jesus cleanses from all unrighteousness? I didn't plan on this, but I just feel like I need to. There's a doctrine going around. I watch Christian TV a lot, and I've been hearing this a lot, that teaches that the, because the Bible said that the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all unrighteousness, that's past, present, and future. Some of these preachers are saying that when you come to God and you repent, that repentance covers the past, the present, and the future. But I don't believe that. I do believe that his blood covers all those, but I believe you have to repent again. If you come to Jesus and you're born again and you go out and you sin, John said, I write unto you, little children, that you sin not. God doesn't want us to sin. But if you do sin, but if you, he's talking to the church. He wasn't talking to the world. He talking to the little, God's little children, the church. He said, but if you do sin, you have an advocate with the Father. So if you hear that, don't accept that. There's not too many days go by. I don't have to repent of something. I don't even know if I should tell this, but it came back to me, so I'm going to tell it. I had to repent yesterday over being selfish. And I'm a charitable person. I like to give and do things, you know, 
but I got really mad, or not mad, but hurt at one of my family members that just a few months ago I spent quite a bit of money for their birthday. And then they didn't even remember mine or acknowledge it. And I was complaining to my wife. You know, I did this. They should do that. And when I got off by myself, the Lord said, that's selfish. Did you give to get? Or did you give out of love? I said, evidently, Lord, I, I would give, hoping on my birthday I'd get something in return. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I was selfish. And from now on, Lord, when I give, I'm, I don't, I'm not even going to think about getting anything back. And I think that pleased God because I felt, uh, I went and told my wife what I did. I said, and I was crying because, you know, you know, I cry. I cry a lot. <sighs> Pastor told me one day, he said, you, you cry too much. And I said, well, yeah, probably. He said, but would you please pray that I'm be able to cry? <laughs> You've heard him say that from the pulpit. He wishes he could cry. And God has already told me there's going to come a day he's going to have a real gully washer. If you don't know what that means, that's a farm term. Anybody raised on a farm? Or, that's like a, a canal that hadn't had water in it in a long time, and the weeds are all coming up and growing the grass, and you open the valve, and that water comes, and it just cleans up the whole canal. Teens, everything, not a gully washer. We need a gully washer in the church. The blood of Jesus cleanses from all unrighteousness. I'd like to talk to you a little bit about John the Baptist. He's a lot like me. Not that he was the great prophet that Jesus said he was. Jesus said he was among women. There's no greater than John born among women. That's what Jesus said about him. He was a prophet. He prophesied that the Lord, the one would come that would baptize you with the Holy Ghost. There it is again. Praise God. The Holy Ghost and fire. One day he's out baptizing in the River Jordan. And he looks up and he sees Jesus. And he says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. I think it was the next day Jesus came and he would be baptized Jesus. And when Jesus came up out of the water, the Holy Spirit, there he is again. The Holy He, not a it, He, God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit descended on him like as a dove. And the voice of the Father, I don't know if too many people have ever heard God's, the Father's voice. God the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John saw that. He knew it was, he was the Messiah. He heard the Father. He saw the Spirit descend on him. And one day, not too long later, He's in prison. We get in all kinds of bondages and prisons and that causes us to have doubts, even sometimes sickness. Sometimes we're laying in the sick bed and we're praying and people's prayed for and the healing is not coming. And we begin to doubt. Don't let Satan use your doubt to say that's not that God doesn't love you or God's in a, or gone away from you. God's still there. He's ever present in time of trouble. He's always there. But John got in prison for telling the truth. Telling Herod, you're not supposed to be with this woman. His brother's wife that he had killed. And John sitting in the prison, 
And some of his disciples came to him, I guess, to visit him. And he told them before they left, he said, would you go ask Jesus if he's the one that should come or should we look for another? This is the man that said, behold, the Lamb of God. This is the man that heard the voice of God. This is the man that saw the Spirit descend. And miracles won't keep you. We know that from over, we go over to Luke 16, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man died, the poor man and Lazarus died. Lazarus went to Abraham's brothers, the rich man went to hell, and the Bible said he was tormented in those flames. And he spoke to Father Abraham because there was just a gulf between paradise and Hades then. And he said, would you send Lazarus over and just dip his tongue in water and touch my tongue for I'm tormenting these flames? Abraham, Father Abraham said, can't do it. He said, well, then you, would you send Abraham or Lazarus back? I think it was the four or five brothers he had, four, five, I think five. Would you send Lazarus back to, to tell my brothers so they don't have to come to this place? And Father Abraham said, no. They have Moses and the prophets. What was he saying? They have the scriptures. It's not miracles. He said, they won't believe the one rose from the dead. I saw miracle after miracle after miracle in my ministry. Not just healing, but growth and property buying and building. And I fell. It's our faith that holds us. Not the signs and the wonders, but I believe in them. People have asked me many times why I fail, how I fail. I don't know all the reasons. I was so busy for God. You know you can get so busy for God, you can lose God. I was so busy preaching three sermons a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, teaching men's Bible things, uh, doing weddings, funerals, going to the hospital, building a brand new building within a building program. I prayed all the time for people. I prayed all the time for the sick. I prayed all the time for sermon. But I did not get alone with Jesus for me. I'm going to go back to that scripture. When you search for me with your whole heart, you'll find me. I'm not lost for words. I'm just waiting on the Holy Spirit. I just, God wants to touch some people today. When I came home from Vietnam and I went to church 30 nights a month and took my wife and children, drug my children, put them to bed asleep, trying to find someone who would pray for me that I could be healed so I could read my Bible. Like I said, I was, had a good IQ, but I just had dyslexic. I was dyslexic. And one of the first miracles I saw personally was when God, I went to church, couldn't read my Bible, went home and read the book of Daniel that night. Praise the Lord. He's a good God. And he's not changed I don't know what you need, but we all have needs. 
I preached in churches when all the whole church should have came forward and nobody came forward. But we're going to come up in just a little bit and uh, we're going to have the music team back in just a little bit. And I'm going to ask those that you want anything from God, I want to just ask you to come to worship. We'll just use the front of the church for the altar. I used to love it when we had altars. Anybody, how many remember the altars? Some of the younger people don't remember the altars. First thing I did when I go to church, they didn't, new church, they didn't have an altar. I went and had one built, go to Lumberyard and have one built, you know, and, or buy one. And uh, But I want to ask us to come forward. There's something about that. And uh, I talked to our pastor, and he agrees with that. Now, he's different. He, he, he does it different. He does it his way. God uses him. But the way your Lord uses me is to call people forward. And I'm going to ask that we come. And whatever you need, I want you to ask God for it. And let's see what God will do, okay? Billy Graham, when he gives an invitation, calls people publicly. Uh, I've read some books by him. and uh, You know why after he gives that invitation, he just doesn't say anymore and he goes, goes like this? He says, Holy, when he bows his head, Holy Spirit, I've done my job. Now it's your turn. Holy Spirit, I've done what I can do, and I've done what you've told me to do and preach the word I think you wanted me to. Just an encouraging message. I ask, God, that you touch people's hearts.